This is an ABC podcast. So, Norman, I don't know if the fame's getting to you, but it certainly seems, at least by the questions that we get in via abc.net.au slash coronacast, that you are being scrutinised at every turn by our listeners. I'm getting very paranoid about it. Well, I don't know if this will put your mind at rest or not because someone else has been watching for you and whether or not you were wearing a mask in public places. But this person says that they want to say that they saw Norman masked at the Canberra Writers Festival and think that the listeners listeners who are busy dobbing him in should lay off. Good on her. (laughs) Well, little does she know, uh, she's accusing you of being a human when we all know that you're actually a swan. Oh, well, she can't know everything. (laughs) This person says he's a very busy and very visible man and how many of us are perfect at masking? Plus, he's one of my pandemic heroes and, oh, she obviously is smart because she says... Does an amazing job, as does Tegan. Well, a, bu- a bouquet to that listener. A bouquet to that listener and to all of you who are listening, whether or not you're a, a Norman spy or not. But let's get on today, Norman, with Coronacast, a show all about the coronavirus and any other viruses that we trip over on our way through. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor coming to you from Jagera and Turable Land. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan coming to you from Gadigal Land, part of the Eora Nation. This is Wednesday, the 5th of October, 2022. And Norman, we had a really big milestone in the pandemic last week when we heard that the National Cabinet had voted unanimously to scrap mandatory isolation as of next week, October 14th. And we spent a lot of the early part of the pandemic sort of speculating about when the pandemic would be over It's not necessarily over, but this is a really big sort of marker on this journey towards maybe something that looks a bit like what normal was before, but not every health person agrees with the health advice that was given by the Chief Health Officer, Paul Kelly, to the Prime Minister. And you wonder how many um, health advisors to the government agreed with it because Brett Sutton, Chief Health Officer in Victoria, has tweeted that he's not necessarily on side with the decision, and I suspect that some of the other Chief Health Officers might not be either. And so it just came from Paul Kelly, and he gave various reasons for doing it. Like he's talking about there's been a decrease in cases, there's fewer hospitalizations, not as many people getting admitted into intensive care, not as many outbreaks in really vulnerable settings like aged care. And he's sort of saying that a lot of people in the community have immunity because people have either had COVID or they've had multiple vaccinations. So why should we continue with mandatory isolation? Because the next one's on its way. Um, The other thing that Paul Kelly said was we've got to stop COVID exceptionalism. In other words, making this an exceptional virus. Now, he did acknowledge that this is not the end of the pandemic, but he said that we've just got to stop having exceptional rules for it. Just go back a year or so um, when we had lockdowns, New South Wales and Victoria, intermittent lockdowns in other states, we had compulsory mask wearing. Uh, We even had mandatory vaccination in many situations. We've dismantled almost all of that and much of it needed to go. Mandatory isolation is one of the last COVID measures that we've got to hold the line against um, a new surge that might be coming along. And just in case you think it's not exceptional, let's just remind coronacasters that 13,000 people or more have died this year from COVID-19. More if you add 
the excess in cardiac cancer and dementia deaths that um, others are putting down to COVID as the primary reason for those increased deaths. And if you want to hear more about the, the data behind that, you can just scroll back up in the Coronacast feed a couple of episodes because we did talk about excess deaths just a few weeks ago, which is really what's lying behind what you're saying now, Norman. Yeah, and that's supposedly with a milder version of the virus, the Omicron family and BA5. So with a milder version of the virus, we had all those deaths. Um, So this is not a mild virus. It is not a normal virus. It is an unusual and it is an exceptional virus. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that Paul Kelly talked about hybrid immunity. And I covered this on Monday night on 7.30 if you want to see that story. But essentially what we're talking about here with hybrid immunity, um, I'm not quite sure where the name comes from, But it's essentially a combination of having had infection with the virus itself and being immunised, as if that confers some special protection. But doesn't it? No, there's no evidence that it confers special protection over and above immunisation. And we'll come back to immunisation in a moment because the virus is, is exceptional and it's exceptional in the way that it is evolving and it's evolving around our immune system and our antibodies and to a lesser extent our T-cells, which are the part of our immune system that protects against severe disease. So when the next variant comes along, hybrid immunity is not going to protect you against that surge. In people who are fully vaccinated, um, it will protect you well. They will still presumably protect you well against severe disease, assuming it's not a more virulent virus, but there's no guarantee of that either. So if we get another surge, you can reasonably and confidently predict, unfortunately, a recurrence of the deaths that we've seen so far this year and a recurrence of the number of people getting long COVID, which is really quite disabling. You mentioned before this idea of COVID exceptionalism that Paul Kelly said that we shouldn't we should do away with that idea. And you said that, no, it is exceptional. Do you think it's always going to be exceptional? Is the argument going to be there for mandatory isolation for COVID for the rest of our lives? Or is it because we're still in an acute phase of the pandemic? Because it it really is pretty exceptional in the fact that we don't typically isolate for other other severe diseases with with only a few exceptions. Uh, We don't, but um, some of the people who oppose this decision say we have public health measures in to protect the public for drink driving, no smoking, uh, speeding and so on. And we don't remove those when the death rate on the roads drops. You see that as a sign of success. Because the risk is always the same. That's right. And so it's a sign of success, which is in fact what uh, Dr. Tedros from WHO was saying two or three weeks ago when he was saying, If the end is in sight, you've actually got to keep going and keep going more strongly than before. But I'm finding it hard to find a commentator who really does think that the end is in sight because it's not behaving as though the end is in sight. So the answer to what is a very good question from you, which is, is it never ending mandatory isolation? It may not be if vaccines come along, which are much more widely protective, uh, which might be nasal vaccines. We've spoken about this before on CoronaCast. That could be the game changer, which interrupts this and allows us to get rid of pretty much all the measures that we've got in place. But at the moment, it's still around, it's going to surge, and we need some things that will just slow it down and keep it under control uh, to some extent. So you mentioned before that we talk about what's happening elsewhere in the world. Are there signals coming from overseas? Yeah, there's an uptick in several countries 
in Europe, Germany's cases doubled last week from the week before. Have they scrapped mandatory isolation? That's a good question, which I don't know the answer to, but they're reinstituting some measures, such as masking in certain situations. So they're putting back some measures, although it's incomplete and probably a bit random in a sense what they're putting back. But they are going back to some previous measures. France is going up a little bit. Singapore is going up. Austria is going up. You can just see the the uptick. And when you look at the variants that are on the increase, it's still dominantly BA5, but the 2.75 subfamily, if you like, or variants, is now 10% of global infections and on the rise. Not hugely, but it's on the rise. And there are other variants sitting in the background. One of the things that Professor Kelly did say in his remarks the other day was that you can't consider isolation in isolation, but that's not really how human behaviour works. If you're taking away one thing, it sends a signal to people that maybe other things aren't necessary either. That's right. So the the dominant argument has been it's time to return to personal responsibility. Now, personal responsibility got us the Omicron wave in New South Wales, which was really very significant with significant numbers of deaths before we were fully vaccinated. Personal responsibility does not necessarily work in a pandemic, but it could work better if the messaging was right. And so Brendan Crabb of the Burnett Institute argues that we're asking people to go back to personal responsibility at the same time as saying we're in a lull, doesn't, you know, we're in a good time to actually do this, we've got hybrid immunity, everything's going to be hunky-dory, even though the pandemic's not over. Now, if that's what you say to people, is it any surprise that one in three people who are eligible for a third dose, much less a fourth dose, a third dose, still haven't had it? That means that for many people, it's more than a year since their second dose. That means they've got no protection left virtually against infection and nor have they had that for a while. And their protection against severe disease is also declining. It's still better than no vaccination, but it's going down as well. So then another virus comes along, which is a little bit more evasive for severe disease. You've got a lot of people who are very vulnerable. And of course, they think, well, why should I worry? The chief health officer and the government and others are saying to us, well, yes, you should go and get your your booster, but not creating any urgency about it. And there's huge urgency because the next variants are on the way. I mean, you're saying that there are a lot of people who are under-vaccinated. We've also got people writing in asking about sort of this. Someone's written in saying, when do you think we'll have access to or need a fifth COVID vaccination? This person's 40, had their fourth vaccination six months ago. Is wondering whether they're still covered, but I suppose also the question is, when might people be getting this updated Omicron-specific vaccine that's now available? It's now available, although there was a report um, in the last few days that Moderna might not be delivering the 15 million doses we understood them to be delivering of the of the Omicron variant, that it's more of a global number of vaccines included in which might be some of these Omicron-specific vaccines. So it's not sure, we're not sure really what the supply situation is actually going to be like. I suspect that the fifth dose will click in maybe when we've got some data from countries like Israel, but also if we're getting a new surge and we know that there are people who are poorly covered and it'll probably be focused on the over 50s. That seems to be where you get the most benefit for the fourth dose, although everybody benefits from the third dose really significantly. It may be that they're just hanging in there a little bit because we've talked about this before, a little bit of a debate about just what is the right interval between doses to get the maximum uptick in your immune coverage. 
And with the Omicron-specific vaccine, Norman, I don't know if you know anyone who's got it. I certainly haven't um, anecdotally heard anyone who's actually gotten their hands on on one of those Omicron-specific vaccines yet. Yeah, so write in if you have. Tell us how terrific it was. Yeah, we want to hear about it. abc.net.au slash coronacast. But that will probably do us for this week, I think, Norman. I think it will. We'll see you next week. See you then. See you then.